All right, good. Well, all of our messages in this series are the good news of, and then whatever the theme of Advent is for that week. I think there's a lot of awesome things there. But how many of you would say you are people of faith? Okay, half of you. Good. It's good to know that half of our church are people of faith. That's good. Uh, how many of you have ever heard somebody at work or somebody who you know like has absolutely no faith say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a religious person, I'm a person of faith? Yeah, I know I have very often. I, I've heard that. But what does that mean? I'm a person of faith. What does that mean? How would you define the word faith? If somebody asked you, what is, what is faith? Have you ever thought of how to define that? I think often, um, I like thinking little thoughts like this, as, as you know, I've asked this many times, to define certain words because we use them all the time, but I think sometimes we, we might not have an actual definition, a clear definition of what it is. Well, let me give you the dictionary definition of faith. It defines it as strong belief or trust in someone or something, or a belief in the existence of God, strong religious feelings or belief. beliefs. That's what the dictionary would define as faith. I personally, I like God's definition of faith a lot more. Um, I forgot to get this opened up. Give me just a second here. If you can go to the next slide while I'm waiting for this. God's definition of faith is in Hebrews 11.1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I think that's a pretty good definition. And honestly, when someone asks me what does faith mean, that's the one that kind of comes to my mind. It's more than just believing in God. Uh, It's not just believing in God. And that's, I think, where maybe coworkers or people that you know who don't know Jesus, but would say, yeah, I'm a person of faith, I'm a religious person, they think it means that they just believe God exists. But the Bible in James 2.19 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Faith isn't just believing in God or believing in His existence like some people believe. They think it's enough to just think of Him. I heard a, an awesome illustration that's really stuck with me a long time. Um, if, I were, if you were to maybe meet me or meet someone for the first time, um, and then you didn't see them for like a year, you just met them for a few minutes, but you thought about them every single day for a whole year, how much better would you know them at the end of that year? Not at all. You would just have an, your decision of who they are. You wouldn't actually know them. You would have just made up all the things that you didn't know and you would have, if you were thinking about them all the time. And that's what so many people do with God. They say, I believe in Him, but they don't spend any time with Him. They just think about Him from time to time and they make up who they want God to be. Who the God, if they designed God, who He would be. Faith is more than just knowing there is a God, a creator. It's, a whole, it's very different than that. I, I, find the one, I found the one definition as I was researching this. Uh, the one definition from the Oxford Languages Dictionary particularly false because it defines faith as strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. It was that last three words. I was like, yeah, oh, excuse me? Pardon me? Rather than proof. I would strongly argue faith isn't the absence of proof at all. 
Rather, it's the hope that we have in God based on the evidences that we see all around us and have experienced in our lives. I don't know, I, I've seen this post going around a lot lately, the ones with all the planets and the stars and like how big the galaxy is. If you've never watched Louis Giglio's How Great Is Our God, man, that is, should be on your must-see list because, yeah, I think you can YouTube it. I think I've watched the whole thing on YouTube. It's really awesome to understand just how huge the universe is all around us. And, and as we look at these things that, that no science can't even begin to explain, to me it shows very clearly there is a God. He is there. So this idea that faith is without proof at all, to me, is garbage. But we use the evidences we have to believe in things that aren't quite yet realized. That's what faith is, exactly what Hebrews 11 says. What is our faith in, though? I think some of us need to evaluate that. I think it's good for all of us to evaluate that. But a few uh, questions for us this morning as, as we look at our own faith. Is our faith in God or just our idea of who we want God to be? If you were here, um, I can't remember what message it was back in one of our series, I asked, I asked you, how many, how many of you have been disappointed? How, how, how many of you has God disappointed? Or you've been disappointed in God? And the good Christian answer is to say, no, God is so faithful, He never disappoints me. But I have definitely been disappointed in God. He's not done exactly what I wanted Him to do. And... Every time I come back around to realizing it was my false assumption of who he was, that was the problem, not God's problem. It was I had created an idea of who I wanted God to be, and he didn't live up to that, which is good because if he was who I wanted him to be, he wouldn't be God. Is our faith in the entire word of God or just in the parts we prefer? Do we actually believe God to be everything the Bible says, and therefore do we then believe everything in the Bible to be the Word of God, to be true, and to have relevance to every moment of our life? Or do we just kind of stick to the parts we like? Jesus loves. He's super gracious. I can do anything I want. He still loves me. I'm going to heaven, so I can just kind of basically muddle my way through the rest of life, and it's not that big of a deal because I'll end up in heaven anyhow. Is our faith in God or the pastors and religious people we've listened to? Is it their faith? See, I, I find this one particularly interesting because uh, if you don't know me yet, I like to ask questions. I like to ask questions that lead to introspective thought. And so I, I like to kind of pose questions to people to, to, to make them wrestle with this. And, and I'm, I'm very uh, seldom excited when I ask certain questions, especially about faith, because we have an understanding of what we want to believe, but in my experience, not a ton of believers have a lot of knowledge of why they believe it in the first place. They certainly struggle in conversation with other people who believe something else, and I think that's one of the primary reasons why we don't uh, tell people about God as much as we probably should is because we don't spend enough time actually knowing why we believe what we believe. And so we get challenged by somebody else and we get really nervous because the reality is we don't really know why we believe what we believe. Why do we believe that Jesus 
lived on this earth? What, why? Is it, is it just faith? Is it the Oxford Dictionary that we believe without any evidence at all? Or do we actually know some of the solid things that, that back up our faith that, that we can rest some of this stuff on? Do we, do we know why we believe Jesus wasn't just 100% God but 100% man? Do we know why we believe in the Trinity? Do we know all these things? Or is it just the pastor's faith? We heard him teach it. We heard him talk about it. And so we believe it. We read it in the Bible. We don't really know entirely what it means, but we choose to believe it not because of faith, but actually more because of ignorance, because we don't want to put in the work to actually truly, fully understand. And the reason I love this is because of people like C.S. Lewis and others who were complete atheists, and they began to study the evidences of God, to, to disprove Christianity And they became some of the most intelligent Christians to ever uh, defend the faith because they went after the answers. And I just love it when atheists go after Christians and and begin to actually study what we believe in order to disprove it and then end up coming to faith based on all of the evidence that's out there, all of the, the hard evidence that even just an intellectual person would have to wrestle with. I think it's awesome. So I guess one of the bigger questions there is, have we, have we truly wrestled through the particulars of our faith? Have we spent the time mulling over these facts? Uh, one of my favorite things is to get a text or an email from somebody and say, hey, I've really been struggling with this idea, and, I, and I've, I've been studying it, and I've been trying to research it, and you know, can, we, you know, can we have a conversation about it? Absolutely, I love that. I love to see people wrestling through certain things and, and wanting to have a conversation about something in their faith that they're wrestling with and they want to talk about uh, because it means they're in a good place. They're actually going after a deeper understanding of why. They don't want to just believe it for for no reason or because somebody else believed it or because their family believed it or because it's the the belief of the church they go to, but they really want to own it, and that's awesome, and we should all do that. This morning, we're going to talk about what the good news of faith is. First, we're going to talk about what it is. We're also going to talk about what it's not and then how it will affect our lives if we truly believe. So the short answer, the good news of faith is found in Romans 10, 9 to 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That's some good news. That is really good news. Because if we believe that God is who he said he is, and we believe that he's done what he says he's done, essentially, if we have faith that God truly is who he is, we are made right with God. It's literally that simple. There's not this big long list of things. It's not, well, as long as you haven't this, and as as long as you do that, it's really just believing that God is who he says he is, which is cool because all we have to do is really sit down and begin to look around us and begin to, to see all of the evidences of God all around us, and it becomes pretty evident, man, God is who he says he is. The good news of faith is that it is all about faith. That's the good news. Not works, not piety, not balancing the good and the bad in our lives. Nothing but faith makes us right with God. And that is awesome. 
to truly appreciate just how good this news is, you might want to get a better understanding through studying some of the other religions in the world, some of the other uh, ideas of how to approach God or achieve heaven or, you know, whatever the religion, you know, they, they talk about. But just getting a, a basic understanding of what's out there can really give you a, a, maybe a better idea of just how good this news is. See, they all require a lot more than having faith. A lot of them are works-based. There's a ton of works-based religions out there where you have to do so much and you have to achieve so many things and you have to deny yourself so many, so many of these things and, and you have to work so hard and, and you've got to live on this uh, razor edge making sure you don't step away from all of these rules and all these laws. I mean, even just the Jewish people still to this day, those who don't believe in Christ live under hundreds and, and hundreds of laws all about everything that they do, wrapped in these laws. And some of the religions in this world, they don't even guarantee heaven, even if you do everything right, even if you do everything that you're supposed to. I think of Islam. They can do everything they're supposed to, everything the Quran talks about. And they literally believe that if God's just like, eh, you know what, I don't like you, he doesn't have to let you in. He's that fickle. And for women, it's even worse in Islam. You have even less of a chance. Like, you really have to prove that you're this amazing uh, person as a woman in Islam in order to even be considered. That's bad news. There are millions and millions and millions of people, billions, that live with this bad news. This bad news that there is no heaven, that you're probably not going to get to heaven even if there is one, that you have to work harder than you could ever do in order to even possibly be considered to do that. Or maybe you're, you know, you're going to get recreated as a plant or a, I don't know, a rat or something. I don't know. That's not good news. And yet we have this awesome news, this good news of the gospel that we have been given. We have the good news of faith. And we get the privilege of announcing this good news to the world. I mean, th to me, that is amazing to know the good news to people's bad news. If you know somebody who's grown up feeling like there is no hope, like there is just nothing good about this world, and you get to be the one to tell them about Jesus. You get to be the one to tell them there is hope. This world is not all there is. There is a Father who loves you desperately. I think even of my own life, you know, when, when I got ex exposure to the good news for the first time, it seemed ludicrous to me. And this kid got the opportunity to tell me, no, it's, it's real. There is a God, and He loves you. And I remember what it felt like to hear that good news and to begin to understand what it meant. It changed everything about my life. I knew that there was somebody who loved me, that life wasn't as, as depressing and horrible as everything I saw around me. There was hope. And that's an awesome feeling. If you've never gotten to have that conversation with somebody, to see them get it for the first time, to be able to tell them there, there is a God and He loves you and He wants the best for you, and it's an awesome thing. 
See, the bad news, though, is Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says, you can, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. That's bad news to understand there are far more people who will choose hell than will choose heaven, that will choose to live in their sin instead of receiving a free gift that gifts them eternal life. That's bad news. See, many people think they understand this good news because they believe in a God. But few, the Bible says, actually walk through the narrow gate to understand the confusion that many people have because I think there are going to be many, many people who stand before God one day and say, here I am, let me in. And they will have the most unfortunate news any, any human could ever hear. Depart from me, I never knew you. There is no worse news that exists. See, again, the bad news is in Matthew, again, seven twenty-two to 23. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. This is a different level here. Because how many of any of you, you don't have to actually raise your hands, any of you perform miracles, cast out demons, prophesied in the name of God? I mean, these people thought they were doing good things for God. And if you ask them, because they're arguing this way, I would assume that they would, they would have thought they were a Christian. They would have thought they were a believer because they believed in a God. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's laws. Knowing there are many people, many of whom go to church on a regular basis, which will hear, I never knew you. That's some bad news. To understand there may be people here this morning who attend regularly, but only believe in a God, who only think about God and don't actually have faith in Him. That's bad news. So where could this confusion come from? Why are there people who think they're a believer, but actually aren't? Well, like we read in Hebrews 11, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. But it's not just hope. My experience in conversations with people, I seem to come across people who have two very different ideas of God. One is a faith in God, and the other is a hope in God. Now, what's the difference between hope and faith? Well, we talked about hope last week, but we talked about it in a different uh, definition type than we're going to talk about it this morning. Hope's not a bad thing, certainly not a bad thing, to have a hope in God. But hoping that something will happen and having faith that it will happen are two very different things. They're very drastically different If we only hope for something to happen, then we'll probably have backup plans ready to go because we're we're under no impression that it's going to happen. We're just kind of hoping that it does. If we have faith that it's going to happen, then we operate as if there's no other possible outcome. 
If I have faith that something's going to happen, then I move forward almost as if it already has, that it's a sure thing. If we have faith that it's going to rain, we take an umbrella because even if it's a sunny sky out there, we have faith that it's going to rain. If we only hope that it's going to rain, we might step outside, see the sunny skies, and say, well, I don't need the umbrella. Obviously, it's not going to happen because I was only hoping for it to happen. And the smallest thing can convince us it's not true. Faith includes hope, but it's not just hope. And that's the big difference between the two. Some people live their lives like they hope Christ is real, like they hope Jesus died for their sins, like they hope there's an eternity, that they hope that everything the Bible says is true. But that's all it is, just a hope. Others live their lives with the faith that everything that Christ said was genuine, that the the truth about God is real, and they live a life that shows it's not just hope, but it's faith. They have put their faith in God, not just their hope. I believe it's the difference between those who simply add their identity in Christ to the other identities they have. Parent, employee, boss, neighbor. Oh, and by the way, I'm also a Christian. The difference between that and those who is, whose entire life comes from their identity in Christ. Everything flows from their identity in Christ. I'm a Christian parent. I'm a Christian employee. I'm a Christian boss. I'm a Christian neighbor. Those people who can't escape the reality that their first and primary responsibility is as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a sharer of the good news. That's somebody whose faith is in God. Somebody who says, I can't separate these two because I believe everything that God said and and the way that God uh, says things about the life I should live means this is the only way to live. See, when you just have hope in God, then you kind of do your own thing and and your hope in God is just kind of like your backup plan or it's it's your, your hopeful security plan. Like, ah, when I die, if all this stuff is true, well, I went to church a couple times. I, I made it whenever, it was, you know, when it was convenient. Popped in. Maybe you're, uh, you're probably not a what I call the Christers, you know, the Christmas and Easter people. They just pop in twice a year. But there will be a lot of people like that who will stand before God and be like, man, I went to church like at least twice a year. What, what's going on here? But it was just kind of their backup plan. It was, it was that, that investment plan that they had just in case everything else fell through. They lived their life however they wanted. They didn't follow Christ. They didn't, they didn't live a life that flowed from Him. They just kind of try to tack that on, like add that to the other things about their life. The reality is, when we truly believe everything that Jesus says, it affects the way we do everything. Everything changes. Absolutely every aspect of our life becomes different because it now becomes seen and lived and acted through the lens of being a child of God. Literally everything we do is different. Faith isn't faith unless it changes us. And that's one of the truths I want you to walk away with this morning. Faith isn't faith unless it changes you. 
Not that it just, you know, adds on to your priorities, but it completely changes everything about your life. If you know somebody who, who says they come to know Christ, like you, say you're talking to your neighbor or, or one of your coworkers and they say, oh yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, I like what you're saying, so they, they pray whatever prayer you tell them to pray and, and then their life never changes for the next 30 years. You're probably not gonna think like, man, that was genuine. Look at that. There's a change that happens. And those of you who have known Christ for a long time, my hope is the change has been drastic and it's ongoing. There's a constant changing that happens all through our life for the rest of our life. Again, Matthew 7, 21. It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, that can be good or bad news, depending on what side of that you're on. I think it sounds like pretty good news. That as we, if we are believers, then God's will will naturally flow from us. We will want to do His will. But let's just take this for what it says. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Okay, so what is the will of God? Well, there are a lot of statements, statements, I think, that sum up the will of our Father, but here's one to consider. Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay? There's really no confusion here. It is God's will that every single one of us goes into the world and preaches the good news to everyone. That's the will of our Father in heaven. Only those who do the will of the Father will enter heaven. So if we are believers, if we truly have faith in God, what will happen? We will feel like a compulsion to tell people about Jesus. We will look for opportunities to tell those who are in their bad news about the good news of Jesus. How are you doing with that? That's just one will of the Father statement. How are you doing? Just using that as a a little bit of a litmus test. Are you on your way to heaven? Do you desire, look for opportunities to tell people about Jesus? I I told you I was going to track down this Spurgeon quote, and I did. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, one of his quotes, says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Because only those who do the will of the Father enter heaven. It's God's will that we all are missionaries. This doesn't mean like you have to go overseas. That's a misunderstanding of what missionary means. It means that we tell people about Him, that we look for opportunities, that we live in a way that our normal operating procedures, we're just looking to tell people about Jesus. That every relationship that we have, the goal is that they would know about Jesus because they are connected to you. In some way, fashion, or form, doesn't always mean that you have to tell them, you know, you, you know, if you aren't go, don't go to church with me, you're going to hell. Probably not the best way to present that, because huh? it's not true. But we look for opportunities to express the love of God, to show them the good news, to tell them the good news. And I love this quote because I think it's so true. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter, saying. There are many, many people who will stand before God one day thinking, 
well, I went to church. I, I did the right things. I tried to be a good person. I gave money. You know, I did this, I did that. I went on that mission trip. But they never were focused on the good news. They never lived their life in a way that said, my one goal in life is to lead others into the kingdom. My goal is to, is to be places where there is bad news and to present the good news. And they'll stand before God and he'll say, you were an imposter. Just because you said the words, just because you, you know, filled up a pew did not mean you had a relationship with me. See, when you have genuine faith, this doesn't require a ton of effort, certainly not the effort of actually doing this. So you might be sitting there thinking like, man, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of effort. It's not. That's the cool thing about being a believer. It naturally flows from you. John 7, 38 says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. If you're a believer, then rivers of living water flow from your heart. All you literally have to do is be in proximity to people who are thirsty, and it will happen. That's the cool thing. The effort comes in humbling ourselves. The effort comes in leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the effort comes in. But the effort of of the good news actually getting out and, and people knowing about God because of us, that should naturally happen. It's the natural state of a believer. That's the good news of faith, is that if we have it, and our faith is truly in God, then this whole thing kind of works itself out. We don't have to make effort in that direction. Our effort should be, okay, i got to humble myself. i got to try not to talk about myself when I'm around people. i got to try not to focus on me and all of my things. i got to not try to impress people. I have to humble myself and allow the rivers of living water to flow with a genuine faith in God and the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the good news will flow from us to others naturally. How can we ensure, as we close, how can we ensure that the good news gets to those who need it? How do we make sure? Well, first, go to places where there is bad news. Go places where there is darkness. It's hard to push back the darkness if you never leave the light if you're just hanging out with other lights. Some of us, naturally, we find ourselves in these places. I was just sharing with the the men's group yesterday at at breakfast. One of my favorite jobs of all time was being a personal trainer because I got to rub shoulders with so many people who were so hopeless, people who are on as far ends of the spectrum as you can imagine from Christianity. And I just loved being able to talk to them and share with them. And I didn't care. I knew I could get fired any day. It didn't really matter to me. I just loved sharing about Jesus. And my manager told me to stop it, and I told him it's not going to happen. Because I can't operate any other way. This is who I am. They ask me a question, that's my answer. They ask the question, here's the answer. I don't have an answer other than Jesus for most of the stuff in my life. I'm sorry. But that's all there is. As I share things about my family and, and my upbringing, they ask, well, how did, how did you get to where you are? I only have one answer. Sorry, Jesus. I'm not going to make something else up. That's the natural state of a believer. Not saying I'm the ideal believer or anything like that, but that's all of us. Some of you are way better at that stuff than I am. But it's about going places where there's darkness. Being present in places where there are people with no hope. Some of you have already created spaces for people to enter. You can think of one person, I'm not going to put him on the spot in particular. Uh, God brought to my mind this week that you know, they gather around food every, every week. 
They've invited people in who have little to no connection with church, and it's awesome. Because that's what, we're, that's what life should be about. It's creating these communities, bringing people together, and just living and being around them, trusting that the rivers of living water will flow. Others of us, it doesn't naturally happen. We have to be more intentional, like um, the person I was just mentioning. They intentionally created a space. And some of us, we need to do that. We need to actually create intentional spaces where people will enter and that we can uh, bring the good news to their bad news. Second thing I would, I would recommend, stop holding back because of your insecurities. How many times have you not said something because you were afraid of how it might make you look or how, how you might sound or how foolish you might be because you don't know a whole lot because you don't have a Bible degree or because you're not a pastor or because you're not a missionary. Stop holding back and just trust that the Holy Spirit's got it covered. You just lean into that. Again, I'll tell my testimony as many times as I can. The kid that shared the gospel with me, he was terrible at it. And it was exactly what I needed in that moment. Man, if he had held back, where would I be today? If he had thought, man, I'm not really good at this thing, he obviously had no training in evangelism. Or if he did, he didn't, it didn't stick. But it was exactly what I needed. And you could be exactly what that person needs that God is sending you to. As you fumble your way through it, or as, you, as you just in, uneloquently explain the gospel, that could be exactly what is needed in that moment. And you hold back because you're waiting until you're more polished, until you do more training, until you read a couple more books. Man, just let the rivers of living water flow from you. And watch what will happen. Lastly, lean into the counsel and the power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing in this world more powerful than the Holy Spirit. There is nobody more eloquent than the Holy Spirit. There is nobody more gifted at evangelism than the Holy Spirit. There is no book. There is no course. There is no pastor who can teach you how to be better than the Holy Spirit will. So in those moments where you find yourself in, a, in an environment and someone just asks that perfect question or, or they're sharing about their life and you know that this is the place where you're supposed to talk about Jesus, but you might be nervous or you might be afraid or... Just lean into the counsel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Go where he sends you. Maybe as, as we've been talking through these messages, the Lord has been really impressing on you. This is what you need. You need to create this group or you need to start this, you know, this, whether you call it a small group or you need to you know, gather people around this hobby that you have or something and he's really been pushing you. Or you need to join that one group that already exists because you know that pe- those people need Jesus. Just go. Just go where he sends you. And look to him for the words and the strength in those dark places. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. doesn't mean that we do worldly things in order to gain other people. It means that we enter these dark spaces and we shine as bright as we possibly can. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 to 36 says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. As though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast, then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. Keep your lamps burning, church. Go where he sends you. Be ready to talk about your Jesus, whether that's interjecting into a conversation, whether that's sharing your testimony and telling your story of the awesome things God has done. 
You have no idea how much power that has. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have entered the dark places of my life. I thank you that you sent that kid who wasn't any good at it, but he must have leaned into the power of the Holy Spirit because he spoke to things he could not have known. The words he said were the words of you, and they reached way deeper than my ears. And they hit my heart in a way that changed my life forever. I'm here this morning because of the words that you spoke through him. And Lord, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt there are many people who are connected to the people in this room who are in desperate need of the good news. And Lord, I pray this holiday season, as many walls are down, as as conversations about you because of Christmas are much easier to come by, Lord, I pray you would use each and every person, myself included in this room, to lead others into your kingdom, to have kingdom conversations with others who have no hope that we would share our joy, our excitement, our enthusiasm about you with them. And I pray lives would be changed because this good news reaches the bad news of those in our community and those around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Keep your lamps burning.